everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm Chad Dotson. With me today, it's been a little while, which we've got to remedy that. We've got to get him on more often. Um, but uh, frequent guest here, good friend of Red Leg Nation, Doug Gray from RedsMinorLeagues.com. Doug, how are you today? Well, other than how this Reds game is playing out right now, they're losing 3 nothing to Pittsburgh in the first inning. I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing, Chad? I'm, I'm doing well. Other than that, I'm doing well. Uh, I thought this Pirates team was supposed to be awful now. What's going yeah, they, on? They have not been playing well lately, but uh, I guess every dog has its day, and maybe it's Pittsburgh's day. <laughs> uh, maybe the Reds are good for what ails you. Uh, <laughs> the way it's going right now, the last... Uh, Three days. We're obviously recording this on uh, Thursday night as the Reds and the Pirates are just getting underway in Pittsburgh, and the Reds coming off a, a three-game sweep at the hands of the the uh, New York Mets, Jay Bruce and the New York Mets. Um, although we had a lot, little bit better time over the weekend when the Reds took two out of three from the Cardinals, and of course uh, the Saturday game, a lot of fun. We had our uh, first. Red Leg Nation Red Reporter Meetup game, sort of a, a chance to get together with the guys from RedReporter.com and, and and the writers and a bunch of readers from RedLegNation.com on Saturday. And of course, Doug, you were there and we had a good time, didn't we? Oh, it was a blast. I, if you guys missed out on it, I, I know that you've talked about it on RedLegNation.com in the past week of you know looking forward to putting another one together next year. If you missed out this year, absolutely do everything you can to come next year. It was so much fun. Yeah, and I think we learned some things this year that we can maybe uh, not not necessarily fix because it was. It was a great time and um, getting a chance just to talk to some of the guys that you only see usually uh, with a computer screen between you. But we're going to try to make it uh, even even better next year, a lot more planning. This is sort of thrown together on the fly. Uh, the Red Reporter guys and I just started batting it around. I said, hey, let's, let's do this before the season ends. So, um, yeah, it's going to be fun. To me, one of the highlights – uh, maybe the highlight. Well, the nine to one Reds win was probably probably the highlight. But uh, you know, before we had a Q and A Q&A with a couple of uh, Reds assistant general managers, Sam Grossman and Nick Crawl, and uh, you know, those guys were very gracious with their time. Just come talk to us, answer all our dumb questions, and you know, that's something that uh, I just want to say. And I said it publicly at the at the website, but I'm really impressed with how the Reds. Uh, I guess uh, we're so gracious with us and so accommodating and uh, so giving us a private room and a couple of a uh, couple of guys in the baseball operations team talking to us and answering our questions and they, they really didn't have to do any of that. Uh, you know, Lisa Braun uh, helped coordinate everything. It was just went over and above uh, to try to do everything they could to accommodate us and it sort of blew me away and, and surprised me a little bit because it's not always been that way with the Reds. And uh, I don't know, did you sort of feel the same way that? It, just sort of amazed at how they kind of threw out the red carpet in some ways for us. Yeah, it, it was it was great. Um, you know, I, I think that you touched on a lot of things with you know how they coordinated everything. Um, one of the, the thing that really sticks out to me that you you kind of discussed but didn't get too much into was just how much like in depth and the detailed answers that we got from both Sam Grossman and Nick Crawl. You know, they could have given us you know your typical you know short answers that they kind of addressed the question, but that they really did kind of. They gave those answers, but then they expanded on exactly what they meant as well, which you know isn't something that we always get uh, from the beat reporters and things like this. You know, they've got they've got so much space to fill. 
you know, they may not be able to expand as much with the quotes that we can get from these guys too often. Whereas, you know, when it was just us in the room with them, you know, they, they really took the time to explain everything in as much detail as possible. And I, I just thought that was great because it's kind of a side that we don't get to see too often. Yeah, they, they, those guys could have just given us sort of the PR answer, uh, you know, and uh, and glossed over some things. And there were some, some areas that they weren't necessarily willing to go too in depth on, but not. But most, uh, most every question they got, it was a really thoughtful answer, and uh, and I think the consensus in the room was that the Reds may be a little more. You know, uh, we've all had some questions over the years about how serious they've been about analytics. So a lot of my questions have been answered on that over the last couple of years as I've gotten to, uh, to sort of see the guys they're hiring and, and the direction they're moving, but. I think it did certainly. A lot of the people in the room were comforted by the fact that uh, these guys are not, uh, you know, sort of analytical newbies. They they're they're serious about it, and, and and you know we can argue till all day and all night about how this uh, rebuild's going and whether they're making the right decisions. But uh, if nothing else, a couple of smart guys here who are serious about uh, player analytics and and about uh, getting an edge on other teams. And that, that's, that kind of came through to me anyway, and, and I, I think it came through to almost everyone in the room. It was, it was, an, it was, an, impressive, uh, it was an impressive thing. It's not like we got any kind of big scoops or anything like that necessarily, but, uh, but they, it also wasn't just glossing over our questions and giving a, a PR answer to every, every question, like you noted. I, that, that really impressed me as well. Um. I also had a good time getting together with our Relignation writers, and, and Doug, you were there, um, and a bunch of us got together beforehand, and uh, I'm just I'm, I'm amazed by the group that we've got. And then getting to talk to some of the Red Reporter guys who uh, really haven't gotten a chance to hang out with that much. Uh, we, this, this sort of online community, and uh, really, Red Leg Nation, uh, Red Reporter, and Reds Minor Leagues, really an impressive little community, uh, in my opinion. Uh, don't, don't you think? Yeah, I'm. you know, I have dabbled in covering the minor leagues as a whole in the past and one of the things that really has stood out is you know how deep the reds internet coverage is compared to some of the other teams that i you know explored uh you know looking for information on other teams prospects in the past um you know i I just think that what we've got is something that a lot of teams don't have uh, with the amount of people that are covering you know one organization like this you know everybody's got an sb nation kind of you know, blog, but I, I think the guys at Red Reporter, there's so many of them, uh, you know, you, you don't really see that with some of the smaller market teams like you do with the Reds. Um, you know, we've got, you know, Red Lake Nation, which uh, there aren't too many standalone, non-affiliated, you know, blogs that are the size of Red Lake Nation for other teams. Um, and I, I only think there's only six or seven teams that have, you know, full-time minor league writers like, you know, basically me, but did cover other other farm systems as well. I, I just think that it's something special that the Reds actually do have. I think it's a good point, uh, which is that, you know, we love the, the Reds beat riders. Of course, Zach Buchanan came came to part of uh, the Q&A, uh, you know, after uh, we invited him over, and I was glad to see he, he stopped in, uh, the, one of the Inquirer beat riders. And, you know, Trent does a good job. Mark Sheldon does a good job. And, you know, love the coverage those guys give. But really, if you're, if you're a Reds fan and you're getting all your, your news and analysis from uh, Reds minor leagues and Red Reporter and and Red Leg Nation, you're really getting a pretty uh, wide variety of opinions and analysis and pretty good coverage. I think for a bunch of you know a bunch of guys that really aren't affiliated with the organization or really have a whole lot of insider access, although you you certainly have some uh, on the minor league side. And, and of course the bats have been good. Louisville bats have been good to Red Leg Nation this year as well about uh, 
a little bit of inside access, but uh, I, you know, I've I've watched the, the baseball blogosphere, as they call it, grow up uh, over the years, and I really do think that that we in the Reds uh, corner of the of the interwebs. Uh, just have some amazing guys at uh, at all these sites and and others too, but uh, you know these are the the three sites that were involved in our meetup and uh, I don't know I, I'm just I'm very impressed with what uh, you know all of us have together have been able to to do for this and, and we do it just because for really you know this is this is the team that uh, we grew up loving and uh, it's fun we fun following them so uh, speaking of fun I'm getting a kick out of what the Reds have done. And this is this is going into your area of expertise, Doug. I've been getting a kick out of what the Reds have done outside the draft this year. And we can talk about some of the guys that got in the draft. And you know, of course, I especially love Nick Senzel, but um, or Senzel, I think I found out this weekend it was pronounced Senzel, but yes, yes, it is. Yeah, like <laughs> like Denzel, I was told. So, um, but outside the draft, it looks to me like the Reds have spent. You know, people talk about how the Homer Bailey contract and the Joey Votto contract have hamstrung the Reds. And if you need any evidence that that's not the case, I can't, they spent almost $20 million on three players outside the draft over the last uh, last few months, uh, including uh, T.J. Friedel, obviously the guy who uh, from Nevada that the Reds have picked up that no, not very many people realized was uh, draft eligible. But then these two Cubans, uh, international signings, Doug, why don't you give us a little bit of a primer on those guys, if you don't mind. Well, we'll start off with T.J. Friedel. Uh, you know, he was a sophomore this year um, out of Nevada, but he was a redshirt sophomore. Right. He did not realize that he was draft eligible. Isn't that crazy uh, that he himself did not realize until very, very late in the game? You know, you know I, I think that it is and it's not at the same time. Um, you know, he had said that he thought that you had to play three years of college baseball. Well, since he didn't play that sophomore season, his regular sophomore season as far as education goes, you know, he just thought that he had to play an extra season. Um, what's a bit surprising is that his coach didn't inform him. Um, you know, usually that's something that, now his coach says that he didn't tell him he wasn't draft eligible or anything like that, and TJ has backed that up that, you know, they never had that conversation. Um, but I, I really do think that falls more on the scouts. You know, after yeah. it became you know, apparent that he was draft eligible. Uh, the Reds wound up signing him basically because they had more money left over than everybody else. They were not one of the first teams to realize that he was draft eligible. Um, it actually turned out that after Friedel realized that and he signed up with an agent, that the agent actually called the Reds to say, hey, would you have interest in this player? Which, fortunately for the Reds, they had gone out and seen him. Uh, you know, they were impressed with what he had shown over the summer with Team USA where he was playing. Um, and it just worked out that they had more money left over in their draft budget because even though he was not drafted um, as a draft-eligible player, he any money you spend on him goes towards your draft budget. And there are very harsh penalties in the uh, the state, or I guess it would be the uh, the draft that would include guys from Puerto Rico, the United States, and Canada. Right. Uh, if you if you go over your limit. Uh, you get up to 5% over your limit. If you go beyond that 5%, you lose your first-round pick. No one's ever risked that. No, that's uh, way too big a risk. Yes, and so it just turned out that the Reds had more money left over than anybody else, in part because they had the number two overall pick, so that left them with more money to spend in general than everybody else. Uh, and so it, it just worked out very well for them, and fortunately they had done their homework preparing for next year's draft already. 
Um, and that's pretty much where everybody thought that TJ Frieda was going to be eligible. Um, and, you know, things just kind of fell in their lap with him. And it, it, it's worked out very well. He's gone to Billings and he's hitting 345 going into the game tonight. So, you know, very, very, very nice pickup there. Um, it's amazing that, you know, Frieda was a guy who, and I guess it's not surprising that he maybe didn't know because. It's not like he was some kind of a huge prospect before the last year or two. He was a walk-on, I think, uh, at Nevada. And uh, really, just in the last year, made some big strides. Hard worker, they say. And then, of course, uh, really, really opened some eyes on that stint with uh, with Team USA. And signs, <laughs> signs after the draft. And you're right, he just hit the ground running, which... <sighs> So far, it's a storybook, uh, storybook uh, story, I guess, uh, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, he didn't play well uh, his first year in college, and he he got redshirted, and then he came back this year. Uh, you know, his his coaches said that he put in so much work uh, in his time off that he he just came back and he had over four hundred at Nevada this year. Um, you know, and there were a few teams that did realize he was draft eligible, and somehow they still didn't draft him, which I can't really wrap my head around. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you see the videos, and I, I know that I'm not a professional scout, but I, I literally watch baseball for a living. You know, you can see the bat speed with this kid. You know, he, how fast he is, is it's very apparent. So those are two things that no scout could possibly miss. And he also hit 400 while showing those things. I just can't figure out how the teams that did realize he was draft eligible didn't draft him. Yeah, yeah, the whole somebody. story just doesn't make sense. It, it, it's mind-boggling that somehow this story played out how it did. Yeah, I can, if, if, if a team knew about it and didn't just toss a late-round pick at him, it, it, it does. It, it boggles the mind. Um, before we get over into the Cuban guys, though, uh, I'm really excited to see what Friedel is able to do in a full season next year. But um, before we get to the, the international signings, I want to ask you, you talk about the Reds, you know, if they go so much over uh, the budget, they lose next year's first-round pick. And i, I, I got to tell you, I'm going to take a stand here. I think the Reds should have gone ahead and broke the bank and gone over uh, over their uh, budget to sign Tim Tebow. Am, 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 am I wrong about that, Doug? Um, yeah, yeah, I think you're wrong. <laughs> hey, and I, Tebow! Well, one of the reasons, now, I, I will say this. I would not have been opposed to the Reds signing Tim Tebow to a baseball contract. I would not be. Um, again, Thank you. I, yeah, I thought I was the I, only one who, who would say that. It, I, I think the chances of him ever being a major leaguer are, are incredibly small. But, you know, you sign, you know, including the draft and the international market, you sign 70 guys every year who a, a large percentage of them have no chance, like, well, realistically, you don't have much of a chance to be major leaguers. Uh, so, you know, this is just another gamble that you're hoping that you can take somebody who's got that raw athletic talent and turn them into a baseball player. Tim Tebow is clearly a very good raw athlete. Uh, you know, he he showed up at his workout. He had average to slightly above average run times. Um, you know, he can hit the ball a mile, apparently, so the power's there. It's just the rest of the game. Now, I will say this. I wouldn't have paid him $100,000, which is what the Mets did. And I, I will, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt here that they own some of their farm teams so the boost in attendance that tim tebow will bring actually will come back to them in ticket sales at the minor league level the reds that's not really going to work for them they don't they don't own any of any of their own teams and i think that that could be a little bit of a thing that comes into play with why the mets gave him as much money as they did i didn't think he would sign for that much money um and you know maybe other teams didn't offer that much money because they're not going to be able to reap the ticket sale benefits like the Mets would because they do own some of their teams. 
Right. You know, and I didn't expect to talk about Tebow here today, and I don't really have any particular affinity for Tim Tebow. Never cared. I, yeah, I'm not certainly not a Florida football fan, and uh, wasn't one of his big uh, boosters when he was in the NFL for the for the period of time he was there. Um, I know that there are people who really, really hate Tim Tebow, and I think a lot of the reaction was, "Oh gosh, you know, come on, Tim Tebow." Um, so I'm sick of hearing about him. Now we got to hear about him on Sports Center more. But my whole thing was. I would have been disappointed in the Reds if they hadn't at least gone to that, because people were saying, "Don't, don't even go to this workout." And I would have been—I thought that's crazy. The Reds can't send a, a scout to go to that workout. Uh, what's what's the downside? What's the harm? Because, like you said, I wouldn't have any problem with the Reds signing because they do—they draft people who are roster filler basically every year, uh, and and you and you hope that one of them catches fire or, or lightning in a bottle or is undervalued somehow. Uh, same with Tebow. Now, this is sort of proposing or supposing that he meets the minimum requirements. Like you said, you know, he he's got the speed, he's got uh, you know the potential with the bat. He's it's not a joke. It's not you know, um, well, I don't even want to say Michael Jordan, but it's it's not you know the Red signing me as a uh, as a as a promotional stunt because that would be just a great promotional stunt. <laughs> Sign me to, to especially bat. if they gave you a hundred thousand dollars, right? <laughs> I'll I'll do that now, um, but why not? Because it's it's in terms of risk reward, the chances Tim Tebow will ever play a single game in the major leagues are slim. But if he does, what a you know, in terms of PR value, if he's if he's able to be a bench guy in the major leagues, for example, a pinch hitter, if he could really earn that, I don't agree with giving him that spot over somebody that deserves it. But if he's really really can be that player. Why not take a chance on him? Because he brings something to the table that nobody else does, which is he gets you to be the first uh, story on Sports Center uh, every night that he's playing. And there's real value to a franchise for that if he meets the minimum requirements of a player. I'm not suggesting that he should ever play in the major leagues if he if he uh, you know if he's not a legitimate player. And I and I doubt that he ever will be. But I'm like you. Why not take a chance on? Him? I, I agree. That's a lot of money. I, I don't I don't necessarily want the Reds spending hundred thousand dollars on him. Uh, but if they had uh, spent something on him and they'd been the team to get him, you wouldn't have heard me complaining. Uh, let's talk about real players, can we? <laughs> we we can. I mean, t- to be fair, Tim Tebow is a real player now. He he is signed to a professional baseball contract. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Tim Tebow. Um, <laughs> we just talked about Tim Tebow on Red Leg Nation Radio. I really can't believe it. Uh, we've been trying to get to these international signings. Doug, are you are you going to give us the scoop or what? I, I am, and if I'll, I'll be upfront and honest, if you followed me over the past, I don't know, eight eight months or so, you've you've probably heard my take on the Reds and Alfredo Rodriguez. He's the 22 year old Cuban shortstop that they signed for seven million dollars back in July. Um, you know, I, I I don't mind that the Reds brought him in. I, I do think that he has some talent. Uh, but I've said since the very beginning that they're paying way too much money, in my opinion, for his talents. Um, pretty much every scouting report thinks that he has an elite-level glove at shortstop, and every scouting report pretty much says that he can't hit his way out of a wet paper bag, and he showed pretty much that scouting report while he was in Cuba. I mean, the guy slugged under 300 in a league where a lot of people hit much, much better than that. Um, historical comps for the last 15 years of players that played in Cuba and then made it to the major leagues. Um, there is no one who hit anywhere nearly as bad as he hit while in Cuba as a teenager. Everybody else out hit him by a significant margin. 
Um, even guys that only spent a few weeks in the major leagues that were also playing in Cuba as a teenager, who you know they really struggled to make that transition to the major major leagues. They they significantly outhid him, and the Reds went above and beyond their spending limit on on just one guy. It was easily the most they've ever paid for an amateur player. Now I'm not counting Rysel Iglesias and Aroldis Chapman in this. Uh, they signed major league contracts, which uh, if they had been if they had come along a couple of years later, they wouldn't have, they would not have been allowed to do. So they would have signed for significantly less money than they probably did at the time because the rules have changed. Um, but I, I just feel that overall the Reds paid too much money for a guy with his talents. Um, now but, at the same, but oh, he does ahead. have some, but he does have some talents, and uh, I mean his glove is evidently the real deal. But yeah, whether he's ever going to hit it, he never has, has he? No, and I, and you're absolutely right. I, I I'm not saying this guy can't be a major league baseball player. I, I think that the talent is there. Um, I I think that it's just a very risky situation to think that he's going to be a starter, an everyday player, um, because I, I just. I'm not anywhere near certain that that bat is going to play at the major league level. Um, and so that's just, that's just a lot of money to spend on somebody that's already 22 years old uh, when you're having to project so much improvement for him to even be a very, very poor hitting everyday shortstop. Right. You know, I didn't want to put any pressure on you when we started here, but our, our guest last week, Joe, Joe, I just called you Joe for some reason. I, don't, I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> Your uh, mouth. It came uh, from your mouth. Yeah, I, I think we're done here. Uh, so long, everyone. <laughs> uh, Doug, last week's last week's guest was a guy named, uh, pretty good shortstop himself, named Barry Larkin. Do you remember him? I, I may have heard the name once or twice. Yeah. He is a big fan of Rodriguez, but he would not go on the record uh, as uh, anything about his bat, certainly. And so I think that's absolutely the, uh, the concern. And I... I I don't know. It, it seemed like an awful lot of money for a, a all all glove uh, shortstop. I, I tend to think, well, the Reds have more information than I do. But um, I, wait and see, I guess, with this guy. Wait and see. So, but anyway, you've got yeah. big shoes to fill uh, following uh, following Barry Larkin on the Red League Nation Radio well, podcast. I'm, so pick I'm it just up. Say I'm sorry to disappoint everybody <laughs> right now. I'm, that's not going to happen. Barry is much better at pretty much everything than I am. So. Um, again, I'm sorry, guys, but uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll do my best. Uh, you'll, um, you'll, you'll, I, I, you'll be I, fine. But no, nope. nah, just you know, uh, Rodriguez. I... Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say this: um, after he signed, and I could actually get Reds people to talk to me about it because before the contract officially goes through, pretty much they can't say anything about a player. Um, you know, I, I did get some better reports on him from people within the Reds. Now, obviously. The Reds signed him, so they probably do feel a little bit better about him than other teams did. Um, but one of the things that you know people kept bringing up with me is that he's gotten much bigger and stronger than he was uh, when he was last seen playing for uh, his team in the Cuban leagues. Um, so you know that that is definitely going to help. Um, you know the the strength is something that was an issue for him. Obviously, you know we talked he slugged under 300 in Cuba, which I mean that. When you think about that, you, you can't really wrap your mind around it that a, a position player slugs under 300 for a whole season. Tim Tebow uh, wouldn't do that. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, I don't, I don't know. It depends. We'll see. Uh, is Tim, can Tim Tebow hit 100 and slug over 300? That's, that's the question. I think that he, he definitely has more power. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> There's nothing Tim Tebow can't do, Doug. Come on. 
Um, Except play quarterback can, in the NFL. Let's say continue being a quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> that's true, yeah. That's, All right, I, I'm done with Tebow. Come on, man. Quit interrupting me with about Tebow. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> let's, let, let's jump on ahead over to the uh, more recent Cuban signing that the Reds made. Um, they picked up right-handed pitcher Vladimir Gutierrez, who's 20 years old. Um, you know, and I'll be honest, I, I when it it came out that the Reds had gone and seen him do a private workout back in March, I started doing a little bit more research, and I was like, okay, this guy's going to sign for ten million dollars. Like I, I really thought really? he's a ten he's a ten million dollar guy. Uh, you know, the scouting reports are outstanding. Um, you know, he throws ninety three to ninety five, and he touches ninety seven miles an hour. You know, that's <laughs> I mean that that that's Not a bad. that's a big arm. I mean, it, it's a really big arm. You don't really see things like that, um, you know, out, out on the free agent market like that. And it turns out that the Reds got this guy for $4.75 million. Now, that does come with the caveat that, you know, they've got to pay another $4.75 million to Major League Baseball because they had gone over their international spending limit uh, to sign Alfredo Rodriguez. Um, but, so, it, it ended up costing them $9.5 million. But in, in my, my mind, when... They first started talking about this. I thought it's gonna it's gonna cost somebody ten million dollars plus whatever penalty they've got to pay to sign this guy. So I, I think the Reds got a very good deal um, in, on on this player versus what they got on Rodriguez. Now, the way I've chosen to look at this is if you had told me back in March that the Reds were gonna get both Alfredo Rodriguez and Vladimir Gutierrez for eleven and a half million dollars before they have to pay any penalties. I'd have, I'd have been like, let's do it. That's that's a great deal. Now, <laughs> right, right. I, the, the way the money is distributed, it's a little confusing to me, and I can't really wrap my head around how it worked out that way. But when you just look at those two as, let's just say you signed a package deal with those two players, I, I think the Reds came out way ahead on this deal. Let me, you know, and I do want to get into Gutierrez a little more here in just one moment, but does it surprise you? Uh, I don't know that it surprised me, but I thought it was really interesting that the Reds did have to pay that penalty for going over their over their cap on the international signings. Did it surprise you they were so aggressive this offseason uh, to the point where they went over uh, the amount of money they were allotted because they wanted to get these guys in the organization? How, how much does that uh, surprise you? It, it doesn't really surprise me at all, and I, I think that there's several reasons for it. Um, the biggest reason is uh, the collective bargaining agreement is up after this season. Um, and it, it seems that pretty much everybody in Major League Baseball believes that the penalties for moving forward from this point, uh, they're going to be wiped away. Now, you're still going to have to pay your monetary penalties, but when you go over your, your, uh, your allotment, so to speak, of money you're allowed to spend, uh, you have to give up the ability to sign players for over $300,000 the next year or the next two years, depending on how far you go over. And I, I think that's one of the reasons that held the, red back, the Reds back in past seasons from going over, despite the fact they've looked in on players that would have cost them that ability. They've never signed anybody or signed a group of guys that would push them over that limit. And I, I think that's one of the reasons. Now, this year, they had the second most amount of money they were allowed to spend of any team. Now, for those who aren't aware, nobody cares about those rules, you know. Two years ago, the Yankees spent 14 times the amount of money they were allowed to spend, and that's before they had any penalties they had to pay. Uh, the Dodgers last year spent over $90 million, including penalties, when they were allowed to spend just over $2 million. 
uh, teams just they don't pay attention to these rules. They figure if we'll sign four or five or six guys and get premium talent, then it doesn't matter if you just sell a year or two. And obviously, you've got to spend a lot of money to do that. I mean, we're talking tens upon tens of millions of dollars to do that. So it, it's not something that every team has done. The Reds haven't been one of those teams until this year. Um, as you mentioned earlier, they're up to about $20 million this year. That's easily the, the most they've ever spent um, as far as pure amateur players go. Um, I, I think that the collective bargain agreement coming up at the end of the year and pretty much every team believing that the ability to sign players penalty is going to be just tossed out the window like it, it never happened um, is one of the big reasons that we're seeing the Reds do what they're doing right now. You know, I thought it was pretty interesting uh to me, what uh, Reds general manager Dick Williams came out and said about this signing of Gutierrez, which was, you know, we could have taken that money and uh, spent it on, you know, spread it around and got a bunch of players in the organization. But we, th- we felt like Gutierrez was the single best arm available on the international market right now. And we thought it was better to go get that, get that one guy than rather get a bunch of uh, lesser guys and hope, hope they pan out. And I thought that was an interesting strategy. They, they picked out this guy as the, as the best guy out there. And said we want him in the Reds organization. They went and got him uh, at a surprising price, like you said. So, I thought it was, I thought uh, you can so, sort of see the fruits of their international scouting strategy start to start to uh, uh, show a little bit on the surface. Now Gutierrez, here's here's the here's what I'm thinking when I look at this guy, and you've studied him more than I have. But uh, Rosella Iglesias, I I really do think he could be better than that. Um, I mean, he nobody he, is better than Rosella Iglesias except for. Tim Tebow. <laughs> All right, Chad, you have got to go on a timeout. That's that. No, I'm no sorry. more, no more uh, Tebow talk. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. No, uh, but really though, you think he can be better than Iglesias? That's interesting. I, I, I do, and that, the reason I say that is, I'm not one. I'm not sure that Rysel Iglesias can 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 be a, a starting pitcher in the long run. Um, you know, I, I think that the Reds are going to find a way to use him to the max that they can. Um, I'm just not sure that. I believe, or even that they believe, you know, he's got 180 innings plus in his arm. But Gutierrez has been a reliever too, hasn't he? He has. To to this point. To be fair, though, last time Gutierrez pitched, he was 18 years old. So him being used as a reliever as an 18-year-old is a lot different than Iglesias when he was being used as a reliever when he was 21 and 22. The last time Uh, I pitched, I was 12 years old. Well, and what are you doing now? <laughs> not uh, signing a four point five million dollar contract. I'll tell you that. Not being a starting pitcher in the major league base. Uh, in major league exactly, baseball. exactly. Um, but I, I think that that's one key factor. You know, because I've seen that brought up. Well, oh, they signed another reliever. Well, he's eighteen years old. Uh, the last time he pitched in Cuba, so that that really doesn't mean anything. The kid was a high school guy playing against guys in their late twenties, early thirties for the most part. The average age in that league is twenty nine years old. So, you know, the fact that he was being a reliever instead of throwing, you know, 150 innings at 18 years old, well, yeah, he was 18. So that, that doesn't mean much to me. Uh, but now if you just want to look at the stats that he posted as an 18-year-old, they're pretty much better than any season that Iglesias had in Cuba. Um, he had 19 walks and 49 strikeouts and 51 innings. Now, off the top of your head, you're like, oh, that's pretty good for an 18-year-old. But when you realize that the Cuban League as a whole walks as often as they strike out. The fact that he had 49 strikeouts and 19 walks at 18 is incredibly impressive. That is interesting. Um, uh, and, 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 you know, uh, with respect to Iglesias, just the idea that he might uh, be more talented than Renazel Iglesias really 
amazes me, blows my mind, makes me really excited to see this kid because I think I think Iglesias is the most talented pitcher on this Red staff right now. Whether I don't know if he'll be able to be a starter long term or not, but I, just, I love watching that guy pitch. So, uh, so yeah, where do, where do, where do we see Gutierrez next year? Where, where are they going to start him? Do you think? Um, you know that's 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 an interesting question. Um, I, I definitely think he'll be in full season ball. He'll be twenty one years old. So you know, sending him to Dayton or Daytona. Uh, those those are probably the two places I'd expect to see him. I, I really doubt they would start him any higher than either one of those places. If I had to lay money on it, I would say Dayton. Uh, but it, it wouldn't shock me if he went out and had a really good spring training and they pushed him to Daytona. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, I guess that's possible. But uh, Dayton's sort of where I expected, um, which would be good so you can get a chance to get your eyes on him a little bit more often than if he were at Daytona. Um, yeah, I've been trying to get the Florida State League to put in the MILB.TV package for a while, but apparently it's expensive, and I don't have that kind of money. So understood, understood. <sighs> yeah. That's all right. Maybe, maybe someday. Um, well, that's 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 interesting. Let's, if we could, briefly touch on uh, just uh, two or three of the other guys that have really impressed in the minor leagues this year, and want to get your ideas about them. We've talked a lot about Nick Senzel, Cincinnati's first round pick this year, number two overall. Uh, I am just enamored of this kid. I wrote a little piece about him at uh, Cincinnati Magazine uh, a couple months ago right after he was drafted. Just, uh, it's been a long time, seems to me, like the Reds have since the Reds have drafted a hitter with this kind of uh, of an idea at the plate, um, with this kind of uh, you know high potential. Uh, a kid that didn't even play for took two years off in baseball. Uh, until he was like in ninth grade, I think, because uh, his, his dad moved to England and came back and was a little tiny kid, and uh, all of a sudden, boom, he grows. He goes to a, a big SEC school, performs there, and he. We talk about Friedel hitting the ground running. Uh, what a what a year Sinzel's had since uh, since moving to Dayton. Yeah, I, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, Chad. He's not the best prospect I've ever seen, but he is the second best prospect I've ever seen, and. I've only been doing this for, this is now my 10th year, so it doesn't go very deep into history, but I've seen a lot of minor league baseball players in my time, and there's only one guy that I've seen that was more impressive than Nick Senzel was. I I know who you're going to say. I bet you don't. I bet I do. Okay, well then let's hear it. Tim Tebow. Oh gosh, no, no! <laughs> you're never, you're never coming back to the podcast, are you? <laughs> no, I'm pretty much going to block you as soon as we hang up this phone call. Oh, no. I'm going to uh, regret this podcast for, for years. Uh, the the only other guy I saw in my time that was more impressive was Carlos Correa. Um, yeah, I mean that really? that guy was. I I mean he looks the I immortal mean, Carlos Correa. That guy. I mean he when I saw him he was 18 years old and I mean he just. He did everything better than anybody I've ever seen um, so, offensively. So you're telling uh, me that Sinzel is going to be as good as Correa? Um, probably not quite that good, <laughs> but I'll be, it, it wouldn't surprise me either. Um, wow, Nick wow. Sinzel does everything well. Um, you know, the plate approach is it's incredible, um, which, I mean, that's not too surprising. I feel like we, we knew that coming out of the draft. Right. That, that, that was the thing everybody talked about. Um, but he's, he's faster than anybody thought you know i got a 4.06 from home to first base on him when he was in dayton earlier this year that's i mean that's not billy hamilton fast but that's that's plus speed from a guy who was pretty much considered to be an average slightly above average runner like that's significantly faster than all of the scouting reports coming into the draft said uh you know i 
I never doubted that he was going to hit for power, but some people had those questions, um, you know, based on the amount of home runs that he hit while he was at Tennessee. The ball explodes off of that guy's bat. Um, it, it, it really does just jump off of the bat when he makes contact. He squares up everything, and he can hit for power to all fields. I mean, he hits some fly balls, you know, to right field that you're just like, when he makes contact, you're like, oh, that's a lazy fly out. And the next thing you know, it's a double off the wall. Doesn't he have the highest slugging percentage in the history? Did I see that in the history of the Dayton Dragons at this point? Um, that may or may not be true. I, I don't want to go on the record and say that. Um, but he is only the second player that's averaged more than a half of an extra base hit per game played with Dayton, with the other guy being Jay Bruce. Wow, that's pretty good uh, company too. Yeah, I mean he he's, he's slugging five sixty seven with the Dragons this year. Or I guess their season's over, so he he slugged five sixty seven with the Dragons. You know, he had twenty three doubles, three triples, and seven home runs in fifty eight games. Wow. So, you know, pretty much triple all of those numbers and subtract one or two from each, and that's what he'd put up over a full Major League Baseball season. I mean, that's that's <laughs> that's, that's sixty doubles, you know, eight triples, and twenty home runs. You talk about it. Is that, that's uh, that'll do. That'll do. Uh, you talk about his. Uh, athleticism and you know something I saw right after he was drafted was his uh, his college coach there at UT Knoxville said that they he thought he thought that the Reds should start him at shortstop uh, to begin his professional career said so he thought they his coach thought he could handle shortstop and you know if not you move him back over to third or something is that he was uh, athletic enough and had a good enough arm to play short now of course the Reds didn't try that and I don't know that I would suggest they should but it sounds like it's a guy that could be a plus defender at third base for the long term as well yeah I you know, he had a few mistakes the first week he was in Dayton, and I'm not sure he made another one the rest of the way. I mean, he, he can make all of the plays. I've seen him in person five times this year. I've seen him make four barehanded, uh, you know, running in plays and get the runner at first base four times, like almost every game. You know, wow. he's, got, he's got good range to both sides. He can come in on the ball very well. He's got really good hands, strong arm. Like I said, he he's impressive in every aspect of the game. Like there there really isn't something that he can't do on the baseball field. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see him. Uh, I think there's a chance that he could uh, could even taste the uh, the major leagues next year. Uh, uh, but certainly the year after that, he's liable to be the Reds starting third baseman. So I'm really excited to watch him. Uh, a couple of the guys I wanted to talk about, then I'll let you say anyone else you wanted to address in the minor leagues. Uh, Amir Garrett. You know, Amir Garrett is uh, on everybody's. Uh, Everybody's list now as well. After what a great year he had uh, over a couple of levels this year, uh, is is Amir Garrett ready? Is he is he going to be a red to start the year next year? I, I don't think so. Really? Uh, uh, yeah. I, I, well, I think the the one big thing is, you know, if the Reds really wanted him to start next year, and and now I say this as in starting in April, um, they would have called him up in September, and they and they didn't. Um, I you know. I, we we heard that it was maybe an innings limit thing. Um, he threw four more innings this year than he did last year. So I, I'm not really sure that I buy that they're holding him back because of his innings limit. Uh, you know, two years ago he threw 133. Last year he threw 140. This year 144. Uh, you, think, you think it's a ser service time thing? Uh, I, I think that's probably part of it. Um, and obviously they're, they're not going to go on the record and say that. No team will ever say that because then you can file a grievance and then you know, that right, brings sure. up a whole, whole yeah. huge issue. Um now, when Amir made the jump from dominating double-A, his strikeout rate dropped off significantly and his walk rate went up. Um, I, I do think that there's 
some things that he still needs to work on if he's going to be a starting pitcher in the major leagues. Now, I say that like they don't have Robert Stevenson out there starting right now, who also has inconsistency problems uh, with the strike zone. Um, now, I, I don't think that Amir's stuff is quite on par with Robert Stevenson, and that's not to say that Amir doesn't have great stuff. I, I really do think that he's got two above-average pitches, and his changeup has come along quite well over the past few years. Uh, I just think that Stevenson's on a, on a different level than pretty much anybody else on the staff, uh, with the exception of Rysel Iglesias, um, who I, I know that you you are absolutely in love with, and uh, I, I do, get it. I, I get it. I do love me some <laughs> Rysel Iglesias, that guy. Bronson Arroyo with stuff is what I call him. he got all those arm angles and crazy. He's fun to watch. He's definitely a pitcher, and when you put in that stuff, it's yeah. you know, it's, a, it's a different kind of thing. Um, well, but go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I think that Amir probably needs a few more months in AAA. Now, with the way that he's improved over the past few years, it, it honestly wouldn't surprise me if he went out and dominated in spring training and, you know, made the team out of, out of the spring. Um, you know, he, he's got the stuff. He's got the athleticism to make the quick, you know, out-of-nowhere improvements that may take other guys a lot longer because they're not nearly as athletic as he is. Um, but I, I, think, I think where his game sits right now, he's a major leaguer if you're going to use him in the bullpen. Um, probably not if you're going to try and start him every five days right now. The Reds could have used him in the bullpen this year down the stretch here as they're making their push towards the wild card. Uh, uh, no, maybe not. Uh, you know, uh, no, but I, I do I do agree with you that they could have used him in the bullpen uh, in, in in September with the guys that are coming up on their innings limits. Um, you know, even as a lefty, you know, you can bring him in to face one or two guys here and there just just to get his feet wet. I, I was very surprised that they didn't call him up. I was too. I was I was really surprised. He was the one. Well, there were two guys out there they were going to call up that they didn't, uh, and maybe both for similar reasons or not. But the other was uh, Jesse Winker, obviously. Um, one more guy I wanted to talk to you about before we uh, got out of here, and that's uh, a football player. Uh, you know, Amir Garrett's a basketball player. Played for St. John's, and uh, there's a there's a football player that the the Reds have uh, have grabbed left-handed hitter who had committed to play football, I think, at Georgia Tech maybe. Um, or maybe he's just going to play baseball there. But he was a great football player in high school. Taylor Trammell. What, uh, and, and I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I don't know a whole lot about Trammell. We talked about him some in our little Q&A we did with, uh, with Sam and Nick the other day. But uh, everyone, everyone that runs into Trammell seems to be, uh, be impressed with his ceiling. I think that he has a high ceiling. Uh, great athlete. What do you think about him? Well, it's Taylor Trammell. Um, I, a lot of people get that mixed up because of Alan Trammell, and they're spelled the same way, but they're pronounced differently. Uh, are, are, but, are you suggesting that I made a mistake on my own podcast, Doug? I mean, really, is that what you're doing to here? I'm not necessarily suggesting it <laughs> as much as saying you did. Oh, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, So Taylor no, Trammell, I, tell me about him. Very impressive athlete. Um, you know, when he entered his senior year in high school, he was kind of one of those guys that teams were following, you know, thinking great athlete, still needs to, you know, kind of figure out the baseball thing. As you mentioned, he's a very high-profile football player. Um, it seemed that every year or every month that the new draft rankings came out, he jumped up the board even more. Um, you know, he was improving at such a quick pace that, you know, he ended up being ranked as high as number 13 overall in the draft. Now, the Reds got him. 35th. Now they paid him like they thought that he was much better than the 35th overall pick, um, and that you know they they had that money to work with, which was great because they did get someone who a lot of people thought was much better than someone who went 35th overall. Um, right now he's hitting 303 with the Billings Mustangs as an 18 year old in the league that's filled up mostly with college players. Um, you know he's got 
nine doubles, six triples, two home runs. Uh, you know, he's still a bit raw. When when you think about that, a guy who's hitting three or three against guys much older than him, and he's still raw. You, you kind of get a feeling for you know how high his ceiling could be. Uh, you know, he's a plus runner. He's got a very quick bat. You know, he's already six two, one hundred and ninety five pounds. He's probably going to fill out a little bit more as he ages. Um, you know, the power's going to come. So, you know, you've got a guy who, with the bat, you can see a lot of potential. But he's also got 24 steals in 61 games. Wow. So the speed is definitely going to play as well. Uh, defensively, he can play center field. I mean, I, I don't have a player comp to throw out there. I don't like player comps too much because they mean different things to different people. But we're talking about a guy who can play up the middle, who could potentially be, you know, a very good hitter, not just for his position, but a very good hitter for all positions. And th- those guys are rare when they can play center field. And, and let's not get ahead of ourselves. 18 years old, still in a rookie ball, but he's a guy whose name keeps coming up, and he also has some of the markers of uh, the type of player that Cincinnati in particular just falls in love with. Because uh, uh, I've read several different places. This guy plays hard. He's hustling and, uh, you know, just a, a fun guy to watch. So, yeah, he's he's far away, but, uh, but certainly a guy to watch, wouldn't you think? Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, as you said, he's 18 years old. It, he's probably three years away from making the major leagues. At least, if, yeah. if, if everything goes perfectly for him, right. he's still three years away. So you know, it, it's it's not going to be like a Nick Senzel who's going to you know go through the system very quick. Um, but you know, as far as upside goes, there's not many players in the in the organization that can match his his pure upside. Uh, anyone else in particular, any individual names you, uh, you'd like to discuss, uh, names that have, uh, that have impressed or, or that maybe some, uh, some of our listeners may not have heard too much about and uh, should maybe keep on the radar before we, before we close up shop here? I'll, I'll throw out one pitcher and one position player. Now, you've probably heard of both of them, um, but just the, the steps that forward that they've taken this year have been impressive. Uh, we'll start off with Aristides Aquino. That's the, that's, um, the guy, that's one of the guys I actually started to ask you about. I'm glad you mentioned him. Tell me about him. Yeah. Now, he, he just won the Florida State League Player of the Year uh, award. He's playing with the Daytona Tortugas this year. Um, you know, he was the top prospect in the Pioneer League two years ago. And then he went to Dayton last year. And at the end of April, he got hit in the arm with a pitch, and it broke his arm. And he missed just over two months. And when he came back, he didn't hit. I mean, last year he hit 234 with no power in Dayton. Um, his on-base percentage was 281. He had 11 walks in 61 games. Um, you know, the Reds, they, they didn't seem to mind that. You know, they they saw the the raw talent, and they sent him to Daytona anyways. And he responded very well. Um, you know, Florida State League is it's the most pitcher-friendly league in, ba- in minor league baseball by far. It's like playing in Petco every day. Guys don't hit there. Well, he went there and he hit. Uh, you know, he had 26 doubles and 23 home runs. Most impressively, though, he had 12 triples. I mean, I, I can't wrap my mind around that kind of yeah, that's power crazy. output in the Florida State League. Like, guys just don't do that. Last year, the league leader in home runs had 16. Uh, so he, he significantly outhit the guy who led the league last year in home runs. Um, you know, he hit 273, slugged 519. Um, but the biggest difference was, you know, he easily had the most walks he's ever had in a season. Now he had 34 walks and 104 strikeouts. Now that's not a great ratio. It's it's slightly better than three to one. Uh, but it's easily the best he, ratio he's ever had. And you could definitely tell by watching him that he's starting to get that part of the game. 
And I, I think that's always been the biggest issue that's been holding him back from getting the most out of his raw tools is the pitch recognition kind of thing. Uh, you know, he was always able to hit those pitches every now and again that weren't strikes and do damage on them. But he's laying off of those now. And I really think that he's on the verge of, you know, taking that next step. Now, next year he's going to be in double-A, and that is the biggest jump in the minor leagues. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But everything that I saw when I was in Daytona this year, it looked like he was getting that part of the game. And if that's going to be the case, it's it's a big thing for the Cincinnati Reds organization. Nice, nice. Now, who's, who's the uh, – you had a pitcher, I think, as well? Yes, uh, Sal Romano. Ah, uh, yes. Now, he, he's on the 40-man roster, but we're not going to see him this year. Uh, he's, he's pitching with Pensacola in the playoffs this year. Uh, who, they actually just started their game uh, game two about 10 minutes ago. Um, now, the first half of the season didn't go so well for him. But over his last 11 start, or I'm sorry, over his last 12 starts, he's posted a 2.12 ERA in the Southern League as one of the youngest pitchers in the league. And he's got 18, uh, or I'm sorry, he's got nine walks and 69 strikeouts in that span. Uh, something has clicked for Sal Romano. Uh, he's always had a big arm, but he's always been one of those guys where the arm didn't really match the results. Well, we're starting to see that now. Um, you know, he's a guy, he, I, I watched him sit with his fastball 97 to 99 miles an hour last year. Now, he, he's not quite throwing that hard this year, but he's still sitting in the mid-90s pretty much every start. Um, I, I think one of the biggest things is is he's showing more confidence in his off-speed stuff. Um, you know, I, I think that he's a guy that you know may not be on everybody's radar right now, but I'd be really surprised if we didn't see him up with the Reds at some point next year. Uh, now, whether that's going to be in the bullpen because you know some people believe that that's where he profiles best, um, and maybe it's just a lack of room in the rotation next year. Um, I, I think that Sal's going to be a guy that's going to come up next year and help the Reds in one way or another. Um, his arm is just, it, it, it's very, very big, very strong. Um, and the Reds seem to really be pushing forward with those guys that throw very hard in the bullpen. Um, you know, we've seen them bring in guys like Blake Wood, who didn't really have, you know, much to go on. But, you know, they saw, well, this guy throws 97 miles an hour all the time. They've got Jumbo Diaz, who they gave a shot like that. Um, you know, a few other guys that, you know, fortunately, unfortunately aren't with the Reds anymore. But Sal fits that profile. He's a very hard thrower. Um, now, unlike those guys, you know, he's very young. But I think that he's a guy that definitely is going to make a statement next year and, you know, show up helping the Reds in one way or another. He's a guy that we just, – just this past week, as a matter of fact, we had a, uh, a feature piece about Sal Romano at RedLegNation.com. And, and, yeah, he's a guy that, especially in the second half of the year, has just uh, – has blown people away. Uh, 1.55 ERA since July 12th, uh, best strikeout rate of his career, lowest walk rate. Uh, guy's taking a big step forward. I, you know, I noticed Sal Romano last year, the year before – uh, only because I was amused by the fact that he had the same name as one of the characters in the uh, uh, classic Mad television Mad. program Mad Men, uh, one of my, maybe my favorite uh, television show ever. So I thought, hey, look, we got a guy that's named the same as that guy on that show. Isn't that funny? And it turns out, guy can actually play. <laughs> so that's even better. Um, all right. Well, uh, Doug, what do you think? Is that uh, have we sort of wrapped it up here? I, I think we covered quite a bit for the day. I think so too. You know, uh, it's funny. You and I were talking um, about getting you on the podcast, and we were talking just today about uh, what time we're going to be able to 
get this thing recorded, etc. And I'm driving home earlier today, and I'm listening to Fangraphs Audio, and uh, and they mentioned Doug Gray, also known as Doug Dirt. They called him. I don't know if you've heard that yet, but uh, I, I, I have not. <laughs> I said, "Oh yeah, that guy. He's he's going to be on my podcast here in a little while." Um, yeah, so go check that out. Uh, something about a Kyle Petty hat or something. I don't know what that was. Oh, I, I do know exactly <laughs> what they're talking about now. That was months ago. Yeah, I don't know. It just came out of nowhere. So I said, oh, I know that guy. Um, so, yeah, go listen to that. All of you go listen to, to that, uh, Fangrass Audio. Doug, really appreciate you uh, coming to talk with us. Uh, and, and expect you to be back very, very soon, all right? Sounds good. Uh, thanks for having me on. and. Yeah, hopefully we can get together soon and uh, get another one of these going. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do as often as we can. You know, this is uh, Doug Gray. He's at DougDirt24. Am I right? That is correct. On Twitter, at DougDirt24 on Twitter. Uh, Check out Doug's stuff every single day at uh, RedsMinorLeagues.com. You won't find better coverage of the Reds Minor League literally literally anywhere. Uh, And and just really pleased that Doug also writes occasionally uh, for us at Red Leg Nation. Some of the best stuff that we have at Red Leg Nation, so we certainly appreciate that. You can find us at Red Leg Nation on Twitter. You can uh, find me at Dotson C D O T S O N C uh, on Twitter if you want. I don't, I don't know why you would. Um, I'm really a, not a very good follow. You can read uh, our coverage, news, analysis of the Reds every single day at RedLegNation.com, where we've been following the Reds on a daily basis, amazingly since uh, since 2005, and still love doing it no matter how how the team is. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would encourage you to go to iTunes, subscribe. Uh, there's also a link at redlegnation.com that you'll be able to subscribe, uh, whatever your podcast uh, hosting device is or podcast download device is. But uh, I would encourage you to go to iTunes if you like us and leave us a review, leave us a rating to help uh, other people find us and tell your friends. Uh, again, that's only if you like us. If you don't like us, please keep your mouth shut. Uh, <laughs> for, for Doug Gray, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. <laughs>